What does financial expertise for the board look like? And how can you stay ahead of the curve on financial oversight for your ministry? Pursuing God-honoring responsible stewardship in governance, financial accountability, and fundraising. Welcome to the Excellence in Ministry podcast from ECFA. This is Vonna Lau, Executive Vice President at ECFA. Today, I'm very pleased to have Mike Batts joining us for this Excellence in Ministry podcast. Mike is a CPA and the president and managing partner of Batts, Morris & Wales & Lee, a national CPA firm dedicated exclusively to serving nonprofits and their leaders across the United States. He also chairs the ECFA board and has more than 25 years of experience serving nonprofit organizations. He's a national speaker and author, and in 2013, Mike was inducted into the National Association of Church Business Administration Hall of Fame in recognition of his significant professional contributions to the church community. Thank you, Mike, for being with us today. Thank you, Vaughn. It's great to be with you. So we have a webinar on demand where you spoke about nonprofit financial oversight for boards, finance committees, and financial leaders. This podcast gives us a format that's a little more informal to be able to elaborate on a few key issues. In all your years of experience, you've obviously had the opportunity to see things done well and not so well. Let's talk about boards first. Uh, just a, a few questions related to some overall financial uh, oversight at the board level. What level of financial expertise should a nonprofit board have, and what are their key areas of financial responsibility? Sure. Well, first, let me say that one way or another, uh, the board of any organization must have significant financial expertise available to it whether it's on the board itself or otherwise, and I'll elaborate more in a moment about that. But one way or another, the board absolutely has to make sure that the financial bases of their organization are covered. Um, and that's based on the legal reality that the board is ultimately legally responsible for the affairs of the organization. So whether it's financial or other activities, uh, the board is ultimately responsible. Um, as far as expertise goes, uh, I am having served as a board member and as the chairman of boards, both nationally and locally, um, and having uh, learned a lot along the way, uh, many of what, much of what I've learned, I've learned the hard way. Um, I would say that um, I believe that the first and most important criterion for being a member of a board uh, is, especially of a Christian ministry, is that we're looking for someone who is blessed with significant uh, biblical wisdom uh, and who has a real passion for the ministry of the organization that he or she is serving. Um, I think, you know, biblical wisdom and a passion for the ministry uh, are the top ingredients uh, that are going to uh, bode well for very, very good board service. Now, sometimes folks who have that strong biblical wisdom and discernment uh, and passion may also happen to be financial experts, and that's wonderful. 
Uh, and if you have that kind of expertise on the board, that's great. But if you don't, then you have to look elsewhere and you can hire that out. Uh, you can hire financial uh, analysts, financial consultants. Uh, you can use, utilize your accounting firm. Um, you can also utilize a finance committee. Um, and I think, you know, where the board itself does not have expertise uh, in terms of covering the financial bases, um, it should probably use, utilize a committee like a finance committee to help it engage in that financial oversight. Um, and the members of a finance committee do not necessarily have to be members of the board. So um, I hope that answers your question, but I think uh, that's where I would land in terms of uh, my observations about making sure that the board has the expertise that it needs to cover the financial basis. And with the scenario that you just provided about the use of a finance committee and using not necessarily all board members, you could have a financial expert. And that's a great way for them to have kind of a foray into boardmanship, if you will, and understanding the organization and yet providing their skill set. Absolutely. The finance committee is a great farm team for the board, no doubt about it. Um, and um, you should always have at least one board member serving on every committee, um, in my opinion. And uh, the finance committee, uh, it would make sense uh, that your whoever your treasurer is, uh, who is also likely a board member, uh, would be on that committee. And that gives you that direct uh, link between the committee and the board. And, and, and that person or persons who are serving on the finance committee can serve as the scouts for the board, if you will, uh, to your point. I, I like the baseball analogy that will resonate with a number of people around here. So um, for sure. <laughs> as far as the, the board's responsibilities over finances and some of the key areas that you've spoke about, both in conferences and on the webinar that we've got and in your book, what financial training, if any, is available or would you recommend for board members to just better understand what their role is related to the finances of the organization? Sure. Well, you know, first of all, I would say that if an organization's board um, really does have people with strong financial expertise serving the organization, uh, whether it's on the board itself or, as we've just discussed, on a finance committee, um, it's very likely that that those people with true financial expertise uh, won't necessarily need a lot of training as it relates to evaluating the financial health and the financial activities of an organization. They might need information about nuances that relate specifically to nonprofits, uh, particularly as it relates to compliance and that kind of thing. But a true financial expert is gonna, gonna know a healthy organization from a non, an unhealthy organization. That said, um, you know, ECFA itself, in my opinion, offers by far, hands down, the best available sources of information, education, and resources for board members and staff leaders alike, uh, not only in the financial realm, but in governance and, and, and overall uh, operations in general. So a starting point, 100% would be ECFA. Um, 
As you know, uh, we also have written a book uh, called Nonprofit Financial Oversight. It's a guide designed specifically for boards and finance committees. We made it available uh, for free to the folks who participated live in the webinar that we, that we did. Um, and, and that's uh, a resource as well, specifically geared for boards. I would say, honestly, outside of resources like that, uh, there really is uh, a dearth of good uh, sources for training in the true sense of the word for board members uh, in the nonprofit arena. A lot of the training and educational resources are are geared heavily to staff. But you start with ECFA, you're going to get a lot of very valuable information right there. Well, I appreciate that. And that is definitely an unpaid plug. So thanks Hi. for the, the shout out there. Uh, let's move from the board to leadership. Uh, ministry leaders of all sized organizations have a responsibility to understand the financial in- information of their ministry. What do they need to be involved with versus what would they leave as the responsibility of the finance team? And that may be a CFO and a full department, or it may be a bookkeeper and a volunteer treasurer. But, you know, at that executive level, the CEO, senior pastor level, what are the things they need to be involved with? Well, you know, it's kind of analogous to what we said earlier about the board itself. You know, the board itself um, has that ultimate legal responsibility for what happens in the organization. But then the board hires a CEO or a senior pastor who then becomes, you know, the one direct report, if you will, to the board uh, that the board is then relying on to make sure that the bases are covered when it comes to implementation and operations. And so, you know, not every CEO is a, is a financially trained financial expert. Uh, not every senior pastor, thank goodness, is, is a financial expert. Um, but they have to understand that they are ultimately charged with ensuring that those bases are covered. So much like what we said about the board, those people have to make sure that if that's not their area of expertise, that they have people working with them and around them that are uh, advising them uh, and serving uh, them to help make sure those bases are covered. So I think that means, again, it depends largely on the size, scope, complexity of the organization. Um, But in an organization of some size, I mean, you you know, if you're the CEO, you want a, a very capable, strong CFO that does have the credentials and the expertise uh, to provide that kind of, of financial leadership and oversight and a team in turn that supports him or her in that role. Um, and you want a reporting mechanism from the CFO that helps you as that CEO or senior pastor know that the bases are covered. Uh, in the webinar that uh, I led earlier today, uh, I advocated a, a, a mode of financial reporting called the Q&A model, where you have the leader determine uh, key questions that he or she needs the answers to on an ongoing basis uh, related to financial operations or whatever area of operations. And then you make sure that you have a reporting mechanism, uh, mechanism in place whereby you're getting plain language answers to those questions. Um, and uh, that's particularly important for a CEO or senior pastor who's not a financial expert. You don't have to be a financial expert, but you you do need to 
get information in a format that you can understand that kind of boils down to how are we doing financially and how do we know? So uh, I think a combination of those things, having having good people around you uh, that that are experienced and credentialed and having a good reporting mechanism uh, would be the, the key combination. Well, and it is important, I think, probably over the years that you and I have both served ministries, we have seen organizations where the senior leader um, – in essence, was viewed as ineffective when they ran into a financial crisis, and he was he or she was unaware of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it is it's important that they are able to delegate and that they've got trustworthy and well skilled people, but that they don't just wash their hands of it and and release that altogether. That's absolutely right, and that's why you know the reporting mechanism is so important. You know, and and you know. I uh, wrote an article not long ago that um, posed the question, is your internal financial reporting process exactly backward? And um, and I would it would be my contention that in many organizations um, it is, especially as it relates to the CEO, because typically um, it's the folks in the financial roles that decide what financial reports are going to get generated and in what format. And then they get handed over to the people in, you know, the CEO level uh, leadership role. uh, And they're left to try to, you know, translate it um, or understand it uh, from a perspective that is often non-financial. And, you know, I would argue that it should be exactly the other way around, that the CEO uh, or equivalent should be determining what kind of information he or she needs in order to answer key questions. And the reporting format should be designed to answer those questions in a way that he or she understands it, regardless of uh, the financial expertise there. And I think if you do that, then there's no excuse um, for not knowing what's going on. I think that's a really key point that you just made. And one of the things that highlights, too, is the importance of good communication, that that's not a one, you know, a one and done. Here's the report, but that there needs to be ongoing communication about whether that report is meeting the needs, if there are any new things that need to be included. So I really appreciate that. Everyone loves stories, and I know that you have been around enough ministries and churches over the years that you probably have some great ones, but what are some of the things that you have seen done best in an organization? Um, Well, from a financial standpoint, um, I think an organization operates at its peak um, when it first and foremost ensures that the people who are in the key roles of leadership and um, either on the board or on the finance committee are really, really sharp, capable people that are committed to the mission of the organization. Um, You know, having served, as I mentioned, as a board member and having chaired boards of directors, um, I know and you would know uh, that The board's job is very easy if you have excellent staff leadership. Um, And the board's job can be an absolute nightmare with one crisis after another if you don't. Um, And, uh, you you know, I think you mentioned in my bio that I currently chair the board of ECFA. And and that's a perfect example. 
Uh, ECFA is blessed with people like Dan Busby and yourself uh, and others in roles of uh, key leadership um, that really help make the board's job easy because, you know, you're, you're doing the heavy lifting and you're um, overseeing, you know, the financial activities with true expertise. Um, sometimes boards don't give that area the respect that it is due and don't see the need to have expertise or great expertise um, in those key roles. Um, and that's usually a, for, a formula for um, a disaster. So I've seen both. <laughs> well, let's avoid the disasters. And, and I'm glad that's how you came through with the ECFA example. You, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was nervous there for just a minute. Uh, well, let me flip it over to the other side and say, so what are the, some of the biggest or most common concerns that you see related to the finance arena specifically in ministries? Well, I think if there's one main concern that I see, it's um, a lack of appreciation on the part of ministries, churches included, to have adequate cash reserves. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not an advocate of unreasonable uh, or unnecessarily high cash reserves, but reasonable, adequate cash reserves I believe are a prudent um, aspect of stewardship. And, you know, when we saw the Great Recession unfold in the years, you know, beginning in late 08 and following, uh, with a little bit of a lag, you know, for the nonprofit sector, um, those organizations that did not have much in the way of cash reserves that operated very thinly. Uh, many of them found themselves in severe crisis mode very quickly. And it's often very difficult to ramp down expenses rapidly enough uh, when you have a kind of a sudden and unexpected drop in financial support. Um, and so, you know, across the country, we saw some very sad stories of organizations um, having to uh, go out of operations, losing their properties, um, and other things like that. So, um, you know, I think if there's one big thing uh, that I encourage our clients to, uh, to watch out for, um, that's um, having adequate cash reserves. And, and if you do, you know, um, it buys you time. You know, if you have something unexpected that comes up, um, having some reserves buys you time to deal with it and to uh, adapt to the new normal. So uh, that would be my, my sort of number one item. Well, and I would say two things related to that. One is we have a number of fixed or semi-fixed costs. And so when things decline, if we don't have those reserves in place, what we end up cutting really is the program or the ministry, right? Right, exactly. Uh, then the second thing is by having those reserves, sometimes I like to look at the positive side of it too. And sometimes those reserves allow us to take advantage of unexpected opportunities, things that we wouldn't have been able to do, but you know, a, a new program or something is laid in front of us. And by having those reserves in place, we can maybe take advantage of, of a new exciting opportunity. Uh, that's exactly right. A uh, very good example of that, um, a ministry that uh, we work with maintaining, you know, good, healthy cash reserves, um, had an opportunity arise to acquire a camp uh, that was being vacated by another ministry organization that was no longer going to operate. 
um, and they were willing to sell it at a fraction of its real value to another like-minded ministry. Um, and, you know, had the ministry that I'm describing not had the cash reserves available, uh, it would not have been able to avail itself of that opportunity. And that's uh, exactly to your point. What a great example. Well, as we are closing this out, I want to just give you the opportunity. Uh, are there resource ministries or or other things that you think leaders who are listening to this, whether they're board members or staff in an organization, ought to avail themselves of? You've mentioned a couple of things, but I'm giving you free reign here to suggest any of the go-to resources that you think are helpful, whether they're yours or ours or someone else's that maybe organizations should be aware of. Well, I appreciate that very much. I, in all seriousness, I mean, there's a reason that I chair the board of ECFA, and that is because I believe wholeheartedly in its mission and in its work. Um, and the resources of ECFA are hands down the best available in the world for people who are serving in leadership of Christian ministry organizations. Um, and anyone who's in a role like that needs to absolutely avail themselves of those resources. Um, we do have a couple of books out uh, ourselves that are geared to specific areas. One is for board members to provide them with perspective on their board service. It's called Board Member Orientation. Um, and then we have a book called Nonprofit Financial Oversight, uh, the concise and complete guide for boards and finance committees. Um, and, you know, I, I wrote both of those books um, mainly because we saw a need for guidance in those areas um, and found a dearth of it in terms of, you know, practical resources. So we hope that uh, the ministries who use them find those helpful as well. Well, we have seen those to be helpful, and I appreciate you uh, mentioning the ECFA resources. I have told people that I have to change my spiel now because for 15 years or more, I told people you have to use ECFA resources. They are the best. And now it sounds self-serving. So I just let others like yourself do that. Well, there you go. I, I will do it unreservedly. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Mike, we really appreciate you sharing your time and your expertise today. I also want to say thank you to our listeners for taking time to listen to the podcast on this important topic. We look forward to having you join us for another Excellence in Ministry podcast. God bless.